following program may contain coarse language, suggestive dialogue, and discussion of violent imagery and sexual situations. It is intended for mature listeners who can tell the difference between facts and opinions. Welcome to another episode of the Toonami Faithful Podcast. I am your host, Sketch, and with me I have... Editorial writer, Vlord GTZ. And... An additional editorial writer, Laserkid. Well, we have a very special episode for you this week, but before we get into the meat of that conversation, which I will be having with Vlord and a special guest, and that's all about Blade Runner, for the record... We have some schedule news updates. Because, you know, they always yes. release the news right after we record a podcast. But that's what the magic of editing is for. So, yeah, we'll just get right into that. Now, before we knew that Fena Pirate Princess was premiering at midnight, back-to-back episodes on August 14th, but we didn't know what the rest of the lineup looked like. Now, we do. So, as said, we have the back-to-back episode premiere of Fena. Then, at 1 a.m., My Hero Academia for one week. At 1.30, Yashihime. At 2 a.m., Black Clover. At 2.30, Naruto Shippuden. And at 3... Attack on Titan reruns, and at 3.30, Dragon Ball Super reruns. And both of those are getting pretty close to finishing. Hey, Dragon Ball Super reruns being at the end is actually nice. Yes. And it should be noted here that Black Clover only takes two weeks off. It's a little surprising because they're getting real close to Funimation. But I I guess plans are in place to secure the future. Because they're bringing it right back. And speaking of bringing something right back, the following week, August 21st, we have a full new lineup with Fena Pirate Princess at midnight, My Hero Academia at 12.30, at 1 a.m., Yashihime, at 1.30, Food Wars returns for the fourth helping at two, it's actually the fourth plate, but you know. <laughs> at 2 a.m., Black Clover. At 2.30, Naruto Shippuden. And at 3 a.m., Attack on Titan reruns. At 3.30, Dragon Ball Super reruns. So yeah, we're getting right into the fourth plate. And I was not entirely expecting this, because I, I, I don't know. Considering how long it took them to get the third plate on, I was a bit surprised that this happened so fast. But, hey, that's nice, because this story arc just kind of bleeds into the next season, so it would kind of stink if they had to wait a long time to continue the regimental food war. Yeah. Big, big, crazy things happening in food wars. Just... You know, we're tired of this whole uh, Aizen messing with things, so uh, let's just finish it up with a big food war. <laughs> As, you know, the sh- the show 
kind of leads itself to that, doesn't it? I I would think so. When anything yeah. goes wrong, you need to have a food war. Yeah. Food wars solve all problems, all concerns. So just have a food war, and you know that works. Yeah. Exactly. It's uh, that's exactly how it works. So, probably one of the most interesting things about this upcoming schedule is they are leading off with Finna Pirate Princess, which is a bold move because it is an entirely new series, totally untested, and they have no idea how well it's going to do. But good on them. I think that this is exactly what they should be doing with an original series. Well, and it's also a brand new premiere. You can't see this anywhere else. Exactly. Which is not true of, uh, well, anything else except, oddly enough, Naruto Shippuden, unless you buy the DVDs. Yeah, but even then, those DVDs have been out for a while, so... Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's Naruto Shippuden at 2.30 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. But some people show up for it. Hey, if you if you got to get your Sharingan fixing, get it in. Those dedicated Naruto fans. But no, I think like Fena being at the front definitely shows, I think, Tanami's confidence, hopefully, in the show. And also, I think, yeah, the fact that it is a show that you literally can't see anywhere else before Tanami is going to be part of the appeal. And there's probably going to be some people that might flock to Tanami to go and watch it because, hey, you have to probably wait a little while for it to show up on Crunchyroll, especially if you want to see, like, the dub or anything that's only going to be on Tanami. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I I guess I did lose the bet that they were going to pair up Fena and Yashihime, but eh, this is better. <laughs> Doesn't necessarily flow better. It's kind of like, uh... A girl show sandwich with my hero in the middle. Not that that show doesn't have plenty of female characters of note, but uh, yeah, that I, I did think that they maybe they would pair up Finna and Yashihime, but no, they're uh, they're gonna put my hero at twelve thirty, and I think that's probably a good call because you have that established audience, so you get new people. And hopefully regular viewers tuning in for Fena. And then you got My Hero right after it, just in case, you know, you need a, a buffer. So hopefully that will drag viewers from Fena to later in the block. Mm, yeah, hopefully, I think like in the schedule, hope. My Hero is definitely the anchor of the lineup. Uh, in terms mm -hmm. of like, say like Fena is not a success and like it's just not doing well. Like there are at least My Heroes there to like, keep audiences invested and there's still going to be, be people that are like dedicated yeah. MHA fans that are going to go and watch that. It could be a safety net. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody loves Hero Academia, myself included. So, yeah. And, you know, worst case scenario, if it really doesn't work out, they can just swap them. Yeah. But I hope it doesn't come to that. And I mean, I'm based on that trailer. A little bit disappointed that we have all these shows potentially waiting in the wings and they're not expanding for Fena. Because where's Megalobox? Where's Assassination Classroom Season 2? Uh, I, I wish they had just a little bit more faith. But it's probably better to, you know, keep Toonami at its usual time slot so it doesn't confuse viewers yeah 
it does make me wonder though if like say shows like Blade Runner are also going to be at the front of the block. Oh, I I am sure Blade Runner will be at the front of the block. I mean, they're even promoting Blade Runner outside of Toonami and like general Adult Swim promotion. I mean, it's so. Blade Runner. It's a classic. How 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 could you not be interested? Yeah, I mean. Around the time Blade Runner shows up, they'll probably not even have new episodes of My Hero Academia to fall back on. So it's it's going to be leading to charge, and uh, hopefully something following it can hold that audience. And hopefully it does well. I mean, that's also, like, that is a show with serious nerd cred, but will it do well? I mean, Blade Runner <laughs> things historically don't initially do well, so... Eh, not not this in the box true. office anyway. That doesn't Sad. give me a ton of confidence, but I am optimistic that it'll be good. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the bar is relatively low for Adult Swim these days. It's not a tremendous concern. As long as these shows have some sort of audience and, you know, eventually people buy them on home video and such. And I think it'll ultimately ring out fairly positive all around. But in the meantime, we get some neat shows that you can't find anywhere else. And that is exactly what we'd love to see more of from Toonami. And hopefully that will continue into the years to come. I mean, we, we know it will. There's six other shows <laughs> in development. Kind of, kind of a lot. For the, One of the most uh, exciting things about Toonami going forward, to be honest. Yeah, it seems like they might actually get, like, two of these on a year, more or less. Which is pretty sweet. That's that's some good forward planning. So, yeah, this lineup. Uh, it's a lot that's more of the same. Like, wouldn't have minded a little break from Food Wars, but hey. You know, people who are invested in Food Wars, I think it's good that they're continuing to this next batch. I don't know if they'll go straight into the fifth play, but we'll see. And another interesting thing about this lineup is a whole lot of these shows will be ending in, like, October. Including Black Clover, which only has ten episodes left. So, big changes, I would think, coming in the fall. And that's probably when we'll see some of those other shows that are curiously absent from the lineup this year. Yeah, hopefully uh, Megalobox 2 will show up. Oh, please. It. Bring it back. We need we need that box in hell yeah. Oh, it was really good. Really, really good. People need to see it. Indeed. Well, any additional thoughts, gentlemen? Um, I mean, it's a solid lineup. I mean, Fena's the show that I'm most interested uh, to watch on Tanami at this point, so having it at the front is convenient, so I won't have to sit through anything in case I get tired. Because, mm -hmm. like, I I'm going to be honest, like, I don't sleep that much, but my attention span also can't last through the entirety of Tanami anymore. I I'm, I'm getting enough. too old, maybe. <laughs> Welcome to the old man club, Laser. Welcome to the old man club. Yeah, on a good night, I can maybe make it through Food Wars. <laughs> yeah, that's about where I'd make it to if I was if I was uh, fully watching. The problem is, um, 
everything else on here I'm watching on streaming. So, yes, yeah. That, that is a problem. Yeah, like, you but, usually hey, have to make it know. to, like, the end of Black Clover, and then once Shippuden shows up, I'm just like, one, I find Shippuden boring, and two, like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I should lay down in bed. <laughs> You can always fall asleep to Naruto Shippuden. <laughs> See, I don't even want to do that. I feel like I'd fall asleep too fast. Then. Oh, no. But they so always play like the music having... videos during Naruto Shippuden. Hey, if, you're, if you're having sleeping problems, you heard it here first. Just watch Naruto Shippuden, you'll fall right asleep. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sorry, well... Naruto fans. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, Nar- I Naruto, like Naruto has plenty of like fans. <laughs> I personally prefer OG Naruto before Shippuden. I just I prefer mean, it, reading the manga. Well, yes, that too. It's certainly a better manga than it is an anime, despite having some very nicely animated moments. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into it. Way too much filler. <laughs> Like oh, half, yeah. half of in his filler. Especially Jeez. in that final Bleach arc. Look, uh, like it had, doesn't have enough filler. Mm. Yeah, but I, I had more fun with Bleach filler, I think. A lot of I the Bleach filler is pretty enjoyable. Naruto filler is just boring. Yeah, mm. that's fair. That's, your mileage may vary. Anyway, those are the upcoming lineups for August 14th and August 21st. And uh, that's that's what we know for now. But if you're listening to this podcast uh, relatively after it was posted and not like a week later, then tune in this week for a uh, long 13-episode marathon of Harley Quinn's first season on Toonami from 10.30 to 5 a.m. Should be a good time. Oh, yeah. Harley Quinn is so good. It's very entertaining. Indeed. Regarding the three episodes I've seen, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched, like, uh both seasons on HBO Max recently. And honestly, it's probably, like, my favorite DC animated show since, like, Batman the Brave and the Bold. Just because it's, like, so fun. Yes, and Brave and the Bold was very fun. Yeah, Brave and the Bold's, like, my favorite Batman show. I'm sitting here over here going, Back in my day, we had the animated series. You need to watch oh. Brave and the Bold, Laser. I've seen some Brave and the Bold. It's pretty good. You need to watch all of it. It's very good. I, if I could, I would. Is it on HBO Max? I don't have the... That's like oh. one of the few streaming services I don't have. <laughs> Too many streaming services. Yes! It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True that. True that. But if you do have HBO Max, you can watch both Blade Runner and its sequel. On HBO As you Max. should. Absolutely should. Do that. You should potentially do that before you listen to this next segment of the podcast, where uh, we bring on a very special guest from the history of Toonami Faithful to talk about Blade Runner, its subsequent sequels, and our thoughts on the trailer for Blade Runner Black Lotus. So stay tuned. Everything intended will happen. This little light I found 
back to the Toonami Faithful Podcast. I am your host, Sketch, and with me I have V-Lord. Hello. And uh, a replicant coming out of retirement. <laughs> That's a good joke. That's a very good joke. I like that. Um, hello, I am Jose, uh, Jose Argumento, and uh, I am a replicant of Sketch. I, I used to... Well, replicants aren't clones, so no. that, that joke doesn't work. No. Uh, okay, in reality, I, I used to host this show, for those of you that maybe don't um, don't know that. Um, I, I uh, was one of the original hosts along with Paul, and then I left because I went to go work for uh, Time Warner, or as it's now known, Warner Media, or as it'll be known next year, Warner Brothers Discovery. So <laughs> I've been through quite a few name changes at the company, huh? Uh, yeah, obviously by the time this podcast comes out, it will be a different name. It'll be Warner Brothers Discovery Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm really excited about that merger. Oh, yeah. You're going to get free KFC, right? No, they don't. They don't They don't give me free anything. If oh. only. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, uh, I'm so excited to be back because we are going to be talking about Blade Runner, which is... A franchise that I absolutely adore, and um, as of when we're recording this, the trailer dropped last Friday, July the twenty third, I think, or the twenty fourth. Uh, no, the twenty third. I was right. And then today is Monday, July twenty sixth, um, and I wanted to talk about it because uh, I saw a Sketch retweeting me on Twitter, and I was just like, Sketch, I'll come on. I want to talk about the show. I'm- <laughs> So excited. I see, I see you retweeting me. <laughs> I see you. I will talk about this forever. Let me on the show. Um, and, and we are very happy to have you. Yeah, it's been a while. It, it, it last time I was here, the last time I was here, I think, was the end of Fooly Cooly, uh, season three. That sounds I, right, yeah. Yeah, so it's been a while. Um, and not for no reason. I've been I've been busy, and you know I also don't make it a point to to be on the show because it's it's 
you know, still technically a conflict of interest. It could be seen as me advertising um, because I do work for uh, Time, War- Time Warner, Warner Media, uh, and this is our show that we're putting out on one of our networks. Uh, so just to make it super clear, uh, hello, I work for Warner Media, but this is not an advertisement. I have nothing to do with the show other than I happen to work at the same company, but I am super excited and uh, know about as much as what you know, the audience knows. I've seen the trailer. I didn't even watch the panel, so probably a lot of you know more than I do. Uh, but I'm I'm a huge fan of Blade Runner, and I wanted to talk about it. Huge fan of Blade Runner. Didn't watch the panel. I know. I Thank forgot. <laughs> I, I watched the beginning of it, and then, like, this weekend happened, and, and I was busy with stuff that I can't talk about. Um, uh, and I just forgot. <laughs> But that's okay because you've like hung out with the directors. Yes, I it literally. You played uh, Pokemon Go with them. With with Kenji, yeah. So Kenji Kamiyama and Shinji Aramaki, um, I I met them both at Momocon 2019, and I gave them a tour of CNN. And I actually from from both of them, I have an open invitation to go to production of G. And I was supposed to go last year, but I don't know. Something happened. Yeah, some 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 something happened. Something happened that restricted travel. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, not getting on a plane anytime soon. Yeah, I'm still upset about that. I I wanted to go this year, but I I don't even think I'm going to be able to go this year. Um, but Kenji does follow me on Twitter, and Shinji likes a bunch of my tweets, which is real fun. Um, and I also I happen to also know the producer Jason Marco, but I feel yes. like that's not an achievement anymore. Oh. <laughs> he's still a super cool dude but like we don't talk very much um not not for any animosity reasons it's just like that dude's busy. busy producing like 20 bajillion shows and you know i don't work at his network and i'm in a lord of the rings animated movie yeah he's he's producing a lord of the rings animated movie like that dude has a lot on his plate he doesn't need me in his ear telling him like Oh, dude, you're so cool. I really love your stuff. He doesn't need me doing that. <laughs> so I haven't I haven't actually spoken to him in a long time. But, um, you know, I, I hope we're still friendly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super, super excited uh, about Blade Runner. I guess we should contextualize why Blade Runner is so important. Because I feel like there's going to be younger viewers who are going to come across uh, the anime that's coming up. And have no context for why the, why this is such a big deal. It's a huge deal. Um, especially for anime fans. So this isn't like... This isn't like a typical anime tie-in. You know? Like, this is a big deal. And here's the thing you have to understand. When Blade Runner came out in 1982, I wasn't born. I wasn't there. So I, I could not buy a ticket to go see it, but uh, neither did a lot of people who were around in 1982. It actually bombed pretty badly. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like this hellish production. Um, like, it actually was a bit of a tortured production because they were doing something new and the studio didn't really understand what the hell the movie was. Um, and I'm not even talking about Warner Brothers. I'm talking about the Blade Runner partnership. I don't even think they knew what they were doing at the time. Uh, it was such a different movie. So picture this: you've got you've got Harrison Ford, 
as your lead. And he's coming off Han Solo and Indiana Jones. This dude is like the hottest name in town. He is a huge deal. And he's the lead in your movie. Um, and you know he's charming and he can get people into seats. You have Ridley Scott who came off directing Alien. Alien was this massive R-rated sci-fi hit. And they're just like... And, and then Philip K. Dick is a celebrated uh, author... You know, who's got a really popular book out there, and they're they're bringing it up to the big screen, and this movie bombs, like hard. It was it's a very strange movie when you think about it from like the the nineteen eighties perspective. When when you if you didn't have context for all this, it's a movie where Harrison Ford gets his ass kicked for like two hours. That's the movie. He doesn't. He doesn't, he's not really all that charming. He's kind of a grump, uh, like the real Harrison Ford these days, apparently. And, you know, it's just... Yeah, it's Decker is dark... not Han Solo or Indiana Jones. No, oh, he's yeah. not. <laughs> Decker is not Han Solo, the character from the movie. Um, and I think that's what people were expecting. Also, it didn't help that that movie, I think, opened same weekend as E.T. So, oh. I, either that or it was the thing that opened the same weekend as E.T. Either way... <laughs> Didn't do well. It, it really, really didn't do well. And the other thing that it was famous for is that it had a bit of a hellish production. The production, Ridley Scott was very particular on what he wanted. And apparently that was tough to do um, because they didn't have the biggest budget. They weren't like this. I think they had a smaller budget than like maybe even Alien. It wasn't like, like, I guess they blew a lot of their money on the star power. It doesn't show in the movie. It looks gorgeous. It it holds up. The visual effects hold up. Uh, this is pre-computer, so there's no computer animated shots in it. It's all optical digital, uh, all optical printers, excuse me. Yeah, and it's, it's all, all really like impressive. Real, it's all real sets. And one of the stories that I kind of just always think about is that uh, the Tyrell scene where, where um, Deckard is interviewing Rachel and giving her the Voight comp test. Um, Ridley Scott was like, hey, the pillars, we need to turn them upside down. They're like, what? Yeah, we need to turn the pillars upside down. They're the wrong side. Even though like he had, kind of, I guess he had approved the way they were earlier in the, in the concept stage. And he was like, the actual pillars, when he saw them physically, he was like, you need to flip them over. They need to be the other way. And the production design team's like, uh, okay, we can do that. But you know that's that's going to put us behind. Like, for how long? And it's like, we won't we won't shoot a darn thing until lunch, probably. It's like, do it. It's wrong. It needs to flip over. And there were a lot of things like that that apparently happened during the production. He was very particular. And it was just a tough shoot full of rain and smoke and fog and just was not a pleasant set. But when you see the final results, you're like, oh my God, this is gorgeous. It looks it looks like a real city, not the Warner Brothers back lot. Uh, it just looks like a completely different world. And that movie, you know, the people who did see it though, were very influenced by it. They were like, people started taking from the Blade Runner aesthetic, including... Japan. A lot of Japanese anime in the 80s 
had a lot of inspiration from uh, Ghost in the Shell, like lifted a lot of stuff out of it. I think Megazone 23, um, Bubblegum Crisis, and of course, probably most notably is Ghost in the Shell, which would then go on to inspire The Matrix. So it's kind of like one of these like really roundabout like movies that, that is so influential that it just we still feel the effects of it. Um, even though like theatrically it has really never done well, even the sequel, which had a bigger marketing campaign, didn't do that great. Uh, and that sequel is awesome by the way, but, uh, to Mm -hmm. really even complicate things even further, the movie that came out in theaters back in 1982 was not Ridley Scott's original cut. He was forced to add in a happy ending and, you know, originally it ended a lot more ambiguous and a little more downtrodden and the studio was like you have to put a happy ending you have to shoot it period end of story um you also need to put a narrator over you need to make harrison ford narrate uh to tell the audience what's going on because we got for so many test screenings no one understands what the hell this movie is (laughs) so you need to clear things up and harrison ford is a lot of things but he's not really that great at voiceover (laughs) <laughs> and it shows. It really shows. I remember when I first watched the movie, it was on cable. And I, I could not stand Harrison Ford's voice. It was just not that not that he has a bad voice. I'm just more his voiceover. He just it sounded like he was from a completely different movie. Honestly, it doesn't sound like the, the world they were building up. And I just man, that, that the first time I watched Blade Runner was kind of a rough experience, honestly. And then you know, like a lot of people, they kind of discovered the international cut because that came out on Laserdisc and the international cut was like way more violent. It's like, oh, they've cut move, they've cut footage out of this movie. Oh, that's weird. And then somebody, I don't know who, leaked a work print, an early version of the film to theaters. And, and they had a, like, or not to theaters, but like they had a special screening of this like unfinished work print which didn't have the happy ending, had like a temp score and no narration. And people went gaga for it. And they thought for the longest time, this was Ridley Scott's director's cut. Warner Brothers and I guess the Blade Runner partnership took notice of that. And they were like, well, that's not really his director's cut. I mean, we have his notes from what he wanted to do. Why don't, why don't we make his director's cut? And so back in 1992, um, they got an editor named Michael Thatcher. And I think Ridley Scott may have written him a few letters, but he wasn't actually involved. And Michael Thatcher, from those notes, put together the quote-unquote director's cut. And Ridley Scott apparently expressed displeasure at it. He doesn't... It's not his version of the movie. Uh, it was just kind of based off his notes. But it's not... It's not the movie. It's not his director's cut. So, in 2001... Warner Brothers was like, okay, let's do it for real. Let's let's get Ridley Scott in here and have him do his director's cut of the movie. And then the, the Blade Runner partnership was like, hey, Warner Brothers, you don't own the rights to Blade Runner. It's our movie. We have the say. And so they actually had to shut down that production and figure things out for a few years. And about, I think in 2005, 2006... They they made the deals. It was all good to go. Ridley Scott's available. And they 
put together the the quote unquote final cut, which came out in two thousand seven, twenty five years after the original movie had premiered in theaters. This dude, it's like it's like the Snyder cut if the Snyder cut had a twenty five year gap, basically. Oh wow. <laughs> But, like, even then, you know, I I think the easy comparisons for, like, people of today is the Snyder Cut. But, like, this was this was kind of huge, too, because it wasn't just a simple director's cut. Usually director's cuts are just, well, the director shot everything he wanted to shoot and the studio made him either take things out or put things in, uh, maybe in reshoots. And then that's the version they released. And, you know, usually the director goes back and he's like, well, okay, the studio made me put this in. I got to put that back in and they they put together their cut the final cut is not strictly that there's a lot of that for sure like they took out the happy ending they took out the narration um but they added a few scenes and they actually reshot some things specifically the the one that comes to mind is uh the actress who plays i think the character's name is zora um she came back suzanne york that's her name i think that's her name a quick editor's note, it was Joanna Cassidy who played Zora in Blade Runner. And Jose did catch that, but it wasn't until after we recorded. Uh, she came back and, like, on a green screen, like, redid the movements of this very obvious stunt person that made it into the film. Because, like, basically they just got a stunt woman, threw a wig on her, and made her jump through glass. And it was very obvious. So instead of that, they got... They like matched the movements of the stunt woman, got Suzanne York on a on a green screen to do the movements, and they like basically took her head and pasted it on the stunt person. And so like stuff like that, they really went out of their way to like fix a lot of things. It wasn't just like this this director's cut. It was like something kind of more. Um, and it was a huge deal. And it it's the first time that I saw the movie where it clicked because I'd seen the director's cut and I didn't, I still didn't get it. And then I guess maybe I wasn't old enough or whatever. Um, because I, at that point I was in high school and I was super obsessed with ghost in the shell. And I just wanted to like, I was like, I ghost. everyone who talks about ghost in the shell talks about blade runner. I don't get it. Like this isn't cool. Ew. And then I saw the final cut and I was like, Oh, I get it. It clicked. All of it clicked for me. And I have been in love with blade runner ever since. Um, I have, I actually have the 25th anniversary briefcase, you know, and I, I basically bought the, I, I think I got it gifted. I convinced my parents to get it for me, I think for Christmas or I bought it. I don't remember, but I, I basically like, you know, cause I was a huge fan of Ridley Scott as well. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. I basically kind of was like, okay, Blade Runner's not been a movie I liked. I'm going to go very blind into this final cut, which could still suck for me. And buy the most expensive set on HD DVD because I backed the wrong horse instead of getting it on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. I do have it now on Blu-ray, but um, yeah, I, I backed the wrong horse hard. Um, but yeah, then 2007 came and went and I fell in love with the movie and I've watched it a bajillion times since. And then there was a sequel announced. Originally, I think Ridley Scott was going to direct it. Uh, he ended up executive producing it and a very talented filmmaker named, uh, I'm not going to pronounce it right, but I'm going to try really hard. Denny Villeneuve, he's French, uh, or he's Canadian. I don't, I don't remember. I'm sorry. 
I maybe he's French that. Canadian. Maybe he's French Canadian. I mean, I know he's he's it's very obvious that he has an accent, so I think he's French. Mm. Um, but uh, he got the job after the movie Arrival, uh, and he came. He came swinging hard. It is maybe I I really didn't want to see. I don't think anybody was asking for a sequel to Blade Runner. Nobody wanted to see that. And then overnight, that movie from people who saw it, because again, it bombed in theaters, um, from people who saw it was like, this is maybe the greatest sequel ever. Like, it's up there. And it it's on par in quality with the original. It's truly amazing. I can't believe that a sequel to Blade Runner got pulled off that well. And on top of that, they did like their own little uh, animatrix, if you will, where they did a couple of shorts, uh, two of them live action and the one of them um, directed by Shinichiro Watanabe, which is animated, and the music's by Flying Lotus. Um, so that so to put it all in context, you have uh, Blade Runner 2022 Blackout, which is the Shinichiro Watanabe animated short, which describes a very big event that happens in between Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, uh, specifically the blackout that wipes out the records of all the replicants. And then uh, Blade Runner 2036 is a short starring Jared Leto uh, play, playing Neander Wallace, um, buying the patents and the schematics and everything from the Tyrell Corporation, which has gone bankrupt, um, he is buying all of that, and he's going to start making his own replicants. Um, and then in Blade Runner 2048, which is the film that takes place right before um, Blade Runner 2049, it is about uh, Dave Bautista's character from that movie, uh, basically trying to hide uh, the fact that he is a replicant and he's on the run. And he kind of gets himself... He, he saves someone, but in the process, he gets himself exposed as a replicant. And uh, the the events of the Blade Runner 2049 pick up from there, where uh, the character that Ryan Gosling plays, Kay, comes in and um, and confronts Dave Batista's character. Anyways, that is a very long way of saying I am super excited about Blade Runner 2049, and I hope I've kind of caught everybody up on Blade Runner. <laughs> I tried to make that short. I know it, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's good. It's, it's, it's good. I, I heard that there were multiple cuts, but I didn't know the extent of the different versions and why they existed. So that's that's interesting. I think the only version I've seen is the final cut. Good. It's the one that counts. <laughs> good, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't remember any Harrison Ford narration, but that sounds bad. I feel like this one is harder to find a version that isn't the final cut. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess these days it's actually a little harder to find the, <laughs> the non-final cut version. It's not impossible. Like, if you really look for it and you really care, you can find it. It's not that hard. So I know for a fact it's on there iTunes. Is, uh, uh, original theatrical purist. Like, I only watched the original theatrical <laughs> version of Blade Runner. <laughs> hey, and there there are people who actually really do like that version. Guillermo del Toro is one of them, and he yeah. has like his justifiable reasons for really liking that version of the movie. It's not for me. It didn't click. Um, it, it the the version that clicked for me was the final cut. That was the one, and I had watched like. 
I'd given Blade Runner shot after shot after shot, and I just could not get into it. Uh, but I'm glad I did. I'm glad I gave every, you know, I'm glad I gave it so many chances because, you know, that movie has become really special to me. Um, and, you know, now I own, now I own, it. I think, th four copies of it. So I have the, the HD DVD five-disc version with the briefcase. I have the Blu-ray five-disc version, no briefcase because that was too expensive by that point. And then I have it on 4K Blu-ray in the U.S., and then, just for shits and giggles, I bought the Japanese 4K Blu-ray. It's the exact same disc. I just wanted the cover art. Uh, I have at least four versions of the Ninja Turtles live-action movie, the 1991. Same. But yeah. they're all exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least two of them are on Blu-ray. But, yeah. But to, to, to really talk about Blade Runner's influence for a minute, like... Blade Runner was hugely influential. Oh, absolutely. Hugely so. Like, what? you saw it in, like, music videos. You saw it in the style of, like, anime that was coming out. Like, it was a... For the people who saw it, they went on to create art that was, like, really influenced by it. And, like, in huge ways, especially in Japan. Japan, it really took off. Any idea how well... Blade Runner, did Blade Runner even run in theaters in Japan? I, I'm going to assume that it was a similar situation to the United States where Blade Runner kind of blew up on home video. Mm. It it got its second shot on home video. Yeah, I, I don't know for sure in Japan. I have no idea. I would think that it did not do great. Um, but I also know that the rental market of Japan was such a huge deal. I mean, I know it was oh, yeah. all over the place, but like in Japan it was especially a big deal and they actually still have a rental market yeah um people are freaked out when i still like you know get envelopes from netflix in the mail but i still do <laughs> uh i actually re-signed up during the pandemic <laughs> hey you know fair enough this is very easy to get movies that way it's true but in japan like the rental market yeah, is still, still rental a shops. huge deal yeah and they're, they're not even like small mom pop shots they're like huge yeah so a physical media in japan in general is just like it's still a big deal totally, um but, totally different but yeah. yeah yeah it's a very different culture but yeah i'm just i'm so um i'm so jazzed about black lotus um the other thing i guess we need to talk about is the trailer yes absolutely the trailer well it's a, uh it's it's a trailer it's, it sure is a trailer <laughs> But it, I got so excited for it. Um, number one, because I know, look, I'm biased. Um, I like Ghost in the Shell, and I even like Standalone Complex 2045. Um, and then it doesn't hurt that uh, two people I really admire and happen to be friendly with worked on 2045 and worked on this. Um, but, man, the jump from 2045 to this is huge. Because I also was not uncritical of 2045. Kenji was following me, and I know he doesn't. He might not speak the best English, but he knows when I'm tweeting about Standalone Complex 2045, I'm sure. And when I'm tweeting, <laughs> probably, I'm trying to be polite, but like I don't, I, I, I definitely criticize it. I, I definitely criticize it. One of the big things when the first trailer came out, the big thing I noticed was like, there is no motion blur. There is no motion blur on these models. It's being done as a post effect. 
I, I don't, I'm assuming it was a time issue because rendering motion blur, I know is very computationally expensive. So I'm not, I should, uh, preface. I'm not a visual effects artist or a 3d animator. Um, I do work in post-production and I, I happen to know my fair share of after effects. And I know when you turn on that motion blur, it sure does chug afterwards instead of just rendering out those frames. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from what I have been told and what I've heard through, like, you know, just having an interest in this stuff, um, it is easier to render three full resolution frames of just like one person's, you know, arm moving from one place to another with no motion blur than it is to render one frame with motion blur. Whoa. It's a lot harder Oof. for the uh, CPU. And yeah, but they're doing it. They're not, at least not in the trailer. There are no instances where they're doing it in post-production um, or they're doing it after they've rendered out the animation. They are rendering the motion blur in the animation so it looks correct. And it, mm, so good. Such a huge deal. That makes a huge difference. And then the other thing that Standalone Complex 2045 had a problem with was the lighting. Yeah, the, um, the dynamic lighting in this trailer is so much better. So much better. Like, they, the lighting in Standalone Complex is pretty flat. And even when it's dark, th- here's the thing. Standalone Complex's uh, 2045's uh, animation, there are some rough points. But it's hidden pretty well when the scenes are dark. When it's bright daylight, like that opening scene in the desert, when it's oh bright boy. daylight and is there's there's a bunch of stuff you're gonna notice all the details that are missing um and blade runner you know thankfully the world kind of helps already but like they seem to have learned and they are definitely hiding a lot of the flaws just by having that really you know dark those dark shadows those bright highlights that really contrasty look that punchy feel it helps so much um and it it just looks leagues better than 2045 um they clearly i think they just learned either they ran out of time on 2045 and we're like we're not doing that on blade runner or they maybe saw the feedback because here's the thing i and i feel a little sorry for them they've had to learn cg the first off shinji and, and kenji are both accomplished 2d artists and 2d directors like shinji uh you know, worked on Macross. Uh, Kenji Kamiyama directed Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, and Eating of the East, and Morbito, and uh, Shinji. Uh, I know he's done a bunch of stuff. I'm blanking. Bubblegum Crisis, I think. He's done... They they have accomplished careers in 2D. But when they both switched to 3D, their switch to 3D was very public. And we've had to watch them learn for the past 10 years or so, or... To, just learn how to like take advantage of that while not having the same amount of resources and time as their American counterparts at like say Pixar or DreamWorks. Um, yeah. It, and it's been, it's been very public for them to like, we see their mistakes. They make it into the final product. Um, but now it's, it's very clear how, like if you go watch the original Appleseed movie from like 2004, it's very clear how much how much they've progressed in the last few and since that time. Yes. Well, as far as their more recent productions go, this is 
like head over all of that. It's it's yeah. so much better looking. I mean, we shouldn't judge too much from just a trailer, but it's definitely got the right tone, the right visual aesthetic. Like when we when we were hearing that this was going to be CG, I was like, oh, okay, well, it could turn out all right, but oh boy. <laughs> And then we get this I mean, trailer, and I'm like, okay, I'm a lot less worried now. Yeah, it's TV on a CG budget. Yeah. Or, or, or sorry, CG on a TV budget. That's very difficult. That's super hard to do. Um, and, you know, Japan in general, not just not just them, those two, but, like, Japan in general has had to kind of learn on the job. And just, they don't have a choice. Because there are more, there there just aren't that many two D animators right now. They're just they're kind of a finite resource, and that's a whole different topic. But like a lot of the the students uh, who are going to learn are learning three D. They're not necessarily learning two D, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's imperative to like start getting those productions up and running and start doing it. And because a lot of those CG animators, they end up going and working in video games. But when we need animators for CG, for for anime, they don't seem to be as abundant. But I, I, I think, I'm hoping that this, along with, you know, other ones like um, Lupin the First, which looks gorgeous, mm-hmm. um, they seem to be finally learning how to take shortcuts. Because I love Lupin the First. I think it's a gorgeous looking CG anime. Um, but if you know what to look for, they're taking shortcuts and yet, you know, most audiences don't notice. And it, it seems like, you know, it seems like they're catching up and I'm, I'm all for it. I'm like, yes, catch up, please. I should help though. They did in the panel go into why they chose CG. And part of the reason was because they felt that they couldn't recreate Blade Runner's city in 2D as well as they could in 3D, which is a a fair statement. Yeah, I mean, part of it, too, I think that they mentioned that was, like, they had so many talented animators on the original Blackout short. And, like, realistically, you're not going to be able to get all of them back for a full TV series. No, I mean, (laughs) you'd have to pull off a One Punch Man season one. (laughs) Yeah, that's very difficult. And becoming more, more and more difficult as as time goes by. So I don't blame them for going, okay, we're going to do this in CG. Um, we're comfortable in CG. We have a team that is dedicated at, here at Solo Digital Arts. We're, we're going CG. Yeah, um, it, it makes sense. And it does help recreate the look of the films. And I think that is a good reason to do it in CG. Though... Part of me wonders how it might have looked if you, if they did like CG backgrounds, but two D characters. Uh, but... I mean, neither director I think is a stranger to that, but yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the the problem is, I guess that character animation, I guess, is maybe the most complicated animation one can do because it, you know, we all know what humans are supposed to look and move like. Mm-hmm. And we we tend to be, I think, a lot harsher on uh, animation that's... If they can't get the, the right animators, or if they're just not going to have enough time to do it in 2D, even if they're doing all the other stuff in CG, um, it might come out 
that. And also the, the, the bigger problem is blending 2D and CG is difficult because um, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think your frame count has to go up. That might be true. Yeah, you have to do a lot more. Uh, so if, if they swing the camera, you know, which is easy to do in CG, they can just swing the camera wherever they want. Um, well, that character has to rotate. You know, if, if the character's standing still and you rotate and you rotate the camera from their from the from their back to their front, you have to animate. So the CG camera can just move. It'll just move for you because you can tell computers do it, and the computer will be like beep boop beep boop. I gotcha. But someone has to like perspectively figure out okay, what frame, what what part of the character are we looking at in this frame? And and how fast is this rotation? Do I need to, you know, like that's a whole bunch of like things to think about. And it, mm-hmm. you know, when it's done well, it looks gorgeous. I mean, uh Disney had that down pat back in the Renaissance for sure. Um, and there are definitely anime productions that do it all the time, but it still increases the frame count, I would think. Mm-hmm. So that's tough to do. Yeah. Definitely. So there's various practical reasons why it makes sense to go CG. Another thing, I I feel like if you're trying to maybe make a broader product, and I I believe people down at Netflix definitely have this thought, that CG animated shows appeal more to a broader audience, perhaps. Perhaps. At least it mm. seems like that's what they might think. I, I don't think that's Adult Swim's mindset. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say so. Not, not yeah, maybe, maybe at Netflix. I don't I don't know about Netflix, but I I don't think that would be a reason for them to pick CG or 2D. It's it's either a practical reason or it's because the artists that they put in charge um, really wanted to do it. They might just have wanted to do it. I wouldn't be surprised if Kenji and Shinji were both like, we want to do it. We want to do it this way, um, you know, and you hired us for a vision. Let us do it the way we want to do it. And yeah. the Adult Swim probably just going, okay. Yeah, I think so. so Not that I wouldn't have wanted to see it in 2D. Like, I, I still, for when it comes to anime, I still think I like 2D better than, than 3D. But, like, I'm also trying to open my mind a little more to a lot of CG productions because there's a lot of good stuff out there too. It's just that when the bad stuff comes out, it's really bad, you know? And I think everybody thinks of probably, at least I do, I think of Berserk and just how terrible that adaptation is. Oh, but haven't you heard? There's there's something worse than Berserk now. The it's called X-Arm. <laughs> oh, I have heard of X-Arm. X-Arm Another is a very quality product from a Crunchyroll production. Yeah, uh, It's a quality product, and please go watch it, because it's a Warner Media product. Oh. Probably. <laughs> Don't do that. Watch Odd Taxi. Yes, actually Odd do Taxi. that. Watch Odd Taxi. I'm I, yeah, I haven't seen X-Arm, but I've, I've seen all the... Uh, the bad things about it. I've seen oh, the, oh I've seen the tweets, and I'm like, oof. I wonder what happened there. <laughs> they had like a car company involved with the, with the production of certain. And like episodes. the director had never done anime before. <laughs> oh boy, you don't have to worry about any of that with with Blade Runner Black Lotus. There. No, 
there are excellent directors working on that. Yeah, like yeah, I would have been fine with like uh, Black Lotus being kind of like 2D animation, but honestly, I am kind of like looking forward to the fact that it's doing something so different by going CG. Like it will make it so that like we aren't just automatically comparing it to Blackout whenever we think about it. Which I mean, I'm all for that. Well, I think the Blackout comparisons are inevitable. Like it's mm. anime, it's from Japan. This thing was also anime. It's from Japan. This Man, is a short by Watanabe. show. And Watanabe, I believe, is involved in this production as a consultant. Yes, he, he is. Is he also like so a that, music producer? That wouldn't surprise me if he is. Yeah, it probably is the case, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm just so excited. It's And that trailer, uh, apparently the, the song is the theme song for the show. Now, I don't expect that song... To be throughout the show, I think probably they're going to skew a little closer to uh, something like Vangelis' score from the original Blade Runner. Uh, But, man, there was a lot of people who didn't like the music. I was like, what? Yeah, that that doesn't jive with me. I mean, it's a perfectly good song. It fit the tone of the trailer. It fit the tone of the trailer. I don't think it's necessarily out of place in the Blade Runner world. Um it's, but it's also like, yeah, it's different, but it's not necessarily out of place. Also, like, you know, we don't have to do the same thing every time. Like, yeah. there were so, I, I, I saw so many people who were complaining about like, oh, it's a, it's a replicant who has kung fu powers, and it's like, a replicant protagonist isn't even original. Like, we've done that twice. They were, they were the protagonist of like. At least two of the shorts, and then Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. So that's not original. And then like, oh, it's flippy kung fu stuff. And it's like, have you ever watched Blade Runner? They, Pris was doing flips in that movie. Yeah. Blade, the replicants have more power, and the, one of the ways that's usually expressed is by like doing flips and kung fu chops that just break someone's neck immediately. Like it's they're powerful. And this might be the best expression of that power. I I get the comparisons to the Matrix, but like, it's not like this wasn't established in the universe. Replicants are powerful beings who can, I mean, Harrison Ford gets his ass kicked for two hours driving the point home that replicants can totally whoop his ass. Yeah, and now we have a protagonist that's the replicant, so naturally she's going to have to defend herself at points. Yeah, and and she's going and she's going to use her abilities. Um, she Which, seems to be hunted by a a few Blade Runners, not just one. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see her wiggle her way away from those those weapons that can take him out. Somebody's very intent on getting rid of Black Lotus. Yeah, that's Stephen Root voiceover. Oh. I love it. Love it. I love the voice cast. Steven Root in an Adult Swim anime. (laughs) Brian Cox in an Adult Swim anime. Are you kidding? It's crazy. crazy. He he also only has one line and it's off screen. I'm like, okay, no offense to all the other cast, but like the two actors I was really excited about both have lines that are off screen. Yeah. And that's Steven Root and Brian Cox. You can hear their voices, but they're not actually on screen. And I'm like, aw. Well, yeah, 
leave leave a little to see who the characters are leave a little something for the actual show (laughs) yeah don't don't tease too much (laughs) yeah i i'm i'm just so excited um it's it feels it feels very much rooted in the world so far and you know look besides kenji and shinji i know that jason is a huge fan of blade runner i know like how can he not be right um and it's it's so obvious that he cares a lot for this show um and i know that you know i don't and and of course the producers of 2049 are involved as well it's not just jason so you know it's this is an important project to them and i think they think they got this one i think they're gonna I think they're going to take care of it. Joseph Cho talked about uh, basically wanting to do a Blade Runner anime ever since he worked on the Animatrix in 2003. So this is like finally coming home for him. Yeah. And and, uh, apparently, of course, we know that these things generally take many years to come to fruition. But they said they started talking about this like five years ago. Like, whoa, (laughs) okay. They clearly have taken their time on this one. And yeah. I think yeah. it shows. I think it, you know, just animation-wise, it shows. I feel like as much as I liked 2045, it it felt rushed in some ways. And I, I hope that they, one, go back and actually fix some of the animation mistakes that they um, had. Um, now it's going to be... Um, you know, I think they they took their time and really gave them a lot. They gave the animation team a lot of time to bake it in the oven. Yeah, I would agree. So, yeah, oh, I'm so excited. Sorry, I'm just really excited. And he just can't hide it. I know I can't. <laughs> I have to wait until fall. Such a wait. big, big outline fall. That's a yeah. At this point, it's coming out in November. Yeah, probably November that would have it replace Fena. Yeah, that would make sense, like, logically. Just, like, go from one original to the next. That's exactly what they should do. I mean, that's, that's like, ideal. Because you probably don't want to have two originals running at the same time because it muddles up promotion, if nothing else. So, not that they couldn't promote two shows at the same time. They definitely could. Do we know how long Fena is? It's 13 episodes, right, for this first season? It's 12 episodes, and they're airing the first two initially the first week. Okay. So should last about 11 weeks. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Unless they double it up at the end, too. I don't know. And there'll probably be and, like some marathons in between there, too, though. So like. Yeah, we have holidays coming up. And another DC Fandom event, which they'll oh, yeah. probably do something. Probably. Yep. It's not guaranteed, but considering they're doing the Harley Quinn marathon for uh, Suicide Squad, you, you got to figure they'll probably do something for DC Fandom. Maybe a Young Justice marathon. Oh! Is that Harley Quinn thing? Uh, that's next week, right? Yeah, next next week. Not this upcoming Saturday, but the one after. This this upcoming Saturday, they just double up My Hero, and they double up Food Wars. And by the way, they make no note of that in the My Hero promo this week. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, 
people will probably figure it out. See, this is why they need the noun next later. I, they they, they die on that hill. Back. <laughs> I like that. I, I always know. liked it. I it's nice to have additional bumps where they can, you know, use dialogue, but I always like the noun next later. Um but yeah, uh anything so you guys kind of have to I, i've been talking so much so you guys can probably talk about the panel more than i can because i i really didn't watch it yeah i will after this probably i did watch the panel but v lord you you took the extensive notes so uh is there anything you wanted to talk about regarding that um i mean i guess like we kind of covered like a lot of the interesting parts like how like it's been in the works for like five years or so and stuff like that one interesting thing I did remember is, like, I believe Aramaki actually did see Blade Runner in theaters in Japan. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, like, I think, like, they had, like, a very short, like, uh, time frame where it was in theaters, and, like, he saw it, and, like, ever since then, he said, like, he's been trying to chase that high that, like, he got watching it. <laughs> that, that was really yeah. cool. Nice. And, I mean, they talked a little bit about the fact that, like, okay, yeah, Neander Wallace is going to be in Black Lotus, which I'm really excited for because I really liked him as, like, a sort of antagonist in 2049. So I think I'm curious, like, what his role is actually going to be in Black Lotus itself. Because, like, I think it's not Neander Wallace Jr., though, right? It's the senior. It's both of them. Oh, it's both of them. Yeah, yeah so it's like, Neander Willis Jr. and then his father will also be there. Yeah. And I think Senior is voiced by Brian Cox and then Junior's Wes Bentley, I think. Something like that. Oh, uh, couldn't get couldn't get Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately not, I guess. Well, I maybe he's a kid, so maybe it won't matter. Yeah, maybe. I mean like timeline wise, I think that would be like after Wallace Jr. like started producing the Nexus 9 replicants, but before like the ban on replicants would have been lifted. No, because isn't so he he didn't get the rights to replicants from the Tyrell Corporation until 2036. This takes place before that, no? Yeah, in yeah, 2032. I thought 2030 is when he started like developing it, but like the ban itself didn't get lifted until 2036 itself. I might be misremembering that, though. I mean, you're right. He did have a replicant with him in the short, so maybe. Deep lore. Deep lore. <laughs> deep lore. We're really sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Go read the Wikipedia article. <laughs> Go watch the movies. No. Fuck the Wikipedia article. I mean, like, both Go movies watch the are movies. on HBO Max now. There's like no reason not to watch it. Are both the shorts them? are free on YouTube. That, too. Seriously, make a day out of it. It's awesome. I went to go... I, I'm so happy, actually. When I went to go see 2049 for the first time, I was lucky because I got to see it as a double feature with the original uh, Blade Runner, but specifically the Final Cut, so it was the version I liked. Um, so good. It was probably one of the best theatrical experiences I've ever had. Dang, that's lucky. Like, I, I yeah. saw 2049 in theaters, which I'm very happy about because that movie's amazing. But man, I would kill to see like the final cut in theaters. That'd be so good. Yeah, I I I was like, after Blade Runner, after I finally saw the final cut in theaters, I was like, man, there's only one more movie I need to see in theaters, and it's Akira. Like that's the only one. And then it came out last year in theaters, and I'm like, it's not a good time to go. Oh <laughs> uh, no. Mm -mm. So. Yeah. 
I might just have to rent a theater and just show it. Uh, you know, I, I have it on 4K. Why not? Not the worst option. I'm trying to think of what else notable there was. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, they mentioned that, like, the dialogue for Black Lotus was recorded prior to the animation being finished, which... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Which, I'm assuming the English language, I'm guessing. Yes, yeah, English. The English language, yes. And uh, they they were able to have at least a, a little bit of time before the pandemic where they could kind of figure everything out, work together in person, and then they were able to continue the production separately. You know, it's um, speaking of the the it makes sense that they recorded the English voices first, because obviously none of the actors, I think, have ever done anime before. And this is a CG production, so that's even harder to match lip flap. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, I think one, it's pretty obvious. And then number two, uh, if you watch the Crunchyroll trailer. The audio is very clearly just slapped in after the fact. It's not mixed properly with the uh, for the Japanese version. Mm. Mm, uh, yeah. And that was the first time I, I noticed it immediately because I'm a nerd. Um, I noticed it immediately and I was like, huh, that's bizarre. Uh, maybe, I guess maybe the English voices were first? But I wasn't sure if the animation was completed first. Because it didn't look... T- it didn't look dubbed. It looked like they were actually matching the lip flap like a little too precisely. I was like, are they matching the the English lip flap? And no. that answers a lot. That's actually like mystery solved. Cool. Mystery <laughs> solved. Yeah. All it's the dots have connected. It's kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I'd love to ask Shinji and Kenji about that. Cause that, I don't know if they've ever done prelay um, for, for anime before. I mean, I guess maybe on Appleseed and a couple of others, but that's not super common. No, it's it's definitely not. So, I'm sure they I'm sure they probably know how to do it. I'm sure they're not inexperienced at prelay. I'm just thinking of the usual typical Japanese productions is the animations first, it gets recorded afterwards. Doesn't matter what language, English, Japanese gets recorded afterwards. Right. Well, hopefully that that should uh, provide excellence. <laughs> there's there's been far too many shows particularly cg ones where the the lip flap is just not quite right <laughs> so it, i mean it's really yeah. hard to write a script to that i mean it, it's yeah. not even just cg it's prelay in general um i'm sure you guys remember the akira dub both of them oh oh um, yeah oh yeah and like look the one that uh kevin seymour did the late kevin seymour did um back in 2001 it's probably the closest script we will ever get to Akira and also the closest those actors will get to matching those lip flaps because that movie's all prelay and have they have very expressive mouth shapes and so they got to those poor actors they had to contort their line reads to that performance and it still sounds good for what it is like it sounds really good yeah it's but a good thing man dub. that's tough that is so tough to do yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Way, 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 way harder than your typical anime. Yeah, because anime, for those of you that maybe don't know, like anime is just like flaps. Like, that, 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 that. They just go up and down, and it's really easy to write whatever you want on them. In fact, most Japan studios 
don't really care about lip flaps at all. Nope. You ever watch Redline? The, the English version actually syncs with the lip flaps, and the Japanese version sure as hell doesn't. Oh, God, that <laughs> bothers me so much. The Japanese version of Redline is, like, the worst in terms of sync. Like, it's fine to watch, but, like, in terms of sync, they did not care. <laughs> well, luckily, the dub did care, and it's a yeah. fantastic dub, and you should definitely watch it. But, I mean, in Japan in general, they don't... I don't think they care that much. Even even in the audiences, they don't care. Because it's... I guess it's just different. I don't know. They're cultural differences. Yeah. So, <laughs> weebs that are always like, the dub doesn't really match. The lip flaps need to chill. No, it, it does. Because <laughs> you... More likely it does. <laughs> you, you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, funny. the Japanese audio doesn't really match the lip flaps super great. <laughs> no, they're they're not timing anything. They're just like, oh, it's my turn to talk, and the lip flaps just going in. I'm just going to keep talking until it's not my turn to talk anymore. All right, done. Uh, so we 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 talked we talked a lot about Blade Runner, but it's not the only original anime coming to Toonami this year and next year. We, we've seen some lovely trailers for Fena and also a clip of Uzumaki. So do you want to chime in on either of those, Jose? I'll be super brief because um, I, I don't want the segment to go super long. Um, but Fena, I'm going to watch it. I want to preamble with that. Like, I'm going to watch it. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for it. But as of right now, I'm not really all that excited for it. Um, I like the director, but I'm not familiar with his work outside of Kill Bill. And that's kind of the problem. Um, and the trailer, you know, it's not a bad trailer. It just didn't do much for me. Um, but I'm, I'm still going to watch it. I'm going to give the show a shot. You know, I'm sure it's going to be good. But... Because, like, I, I don't know, the, the team behind it, it's, it's very clearly well animated. It looks like there's going to be a lot of action. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to check it out. I'm not, it's not the one I'm most excited for. Um, the one I'm probably most excited for, even more so than Blade Runner, is Uzumaki. Uzumaki looks really special. Like, just astoundingly special. Um, there's something about it that... Uh, number one, I, I love Nagahama. Like, he's a super talented director. Uh, I was—I mean, on this very podcast, I talked about Flowers of Evil, even though that show never aired on Toonami. Um, <laughs> I love his work. And I'm, and just from that snippet and from the original trailer uh, with Colin Stetson's music, I just, I think it's going to be something really special. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's got it. And I'm very excited. Um but uh, I'm I'm excited to check out Fena, uh, just just less so. <laughs> uh, and I I I I hope it does really well. I hope it shocks and surprises me. Um, and I you know what I I'm the thing that makes me most excited for it is that it gives me something to watch in Toonami I can't get anywhere else. Exactly. That mm. has been a complaint of mine, and I've I've tweeted to Jason directly about this. Like, I think my biggest complaint is that. The, there aren't enough there's a, there isn't enough content on Toonami that I can't just watch somewhere else um, 
And now Toonami, you know, since Fully Cooly 3 ended, feels like an event again. It feels like there's something that I just, if I want to watch it, it's not going to be on Crunchyroll. It's not going to be on, I mean, I'm sure it'll be on Crunchyroll at some point, but it's not going to be, if you want to watch it first, you want to be there before everybody else, you got to watch it on Toonami. At least the English version. At least I don't know. I don't think the Japanese version. I bet it's not going to premiere at the same time. It's not That's premiering in Japan at the same time, but like uh, they're releasing the sub they like are... the same day as yeah. the dub. Uh, same day, but same time. Probably not same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, hmm. I mean, Space Dandy was late too. Remember, Space Dandy yeah. didn't get their Japanese version until like twelve hours after us. So Something if you want to watch like it. First, you gotta watch it dubbed, and you gotta watch it on Toonami. As the way it should be. Yeah. That's that's the. Way I don't know if it's the way it should be, but it's definitely <laughs> a boon and a good thing for Toonami because it's you know, it's exclusivity and it's it's a premium content. Which I know I sound like such a marketing executive right now, but uh-huh. that does matter to people. Absolutely. I mean, there's lots of people who complained it. Oh, well, I could watch this on Toonami, but I have other ways of watching it and more convenient ways of watching it. So if you're not there for, like, the community experience, the, then why are you even watching? But when you have yeah. something that's exclusive to Toonami, at least the English dub, then you definitely have a reason to tune in. Uh, look, I'm old now. I, I can't <laughs> stay up that late anymore. <laughs> it's really, really hard. Um, when Lupin Part 5 went to like 3 a.m. or whatever, I'm like, I can't watch it. I just, I can't. I have to watch it the next day. Um, well, there's but, no shame in that. Just DVR no, it and watch it later. Yeah, there's absolutely no shame in that. But like, you know, when Part 4 was like at 1 o'clock in the morning and I was a little younger then and I could stay up, boy, it was real fun building that community. And like, having a great time online um you know and i i i want that again i haven't done that in a while i haven't tweeted with you guys in a long time because like right now honestly there's nothing on tsunami that's like calling my name um there's stuff that yeah like you know i and also before you're like he's not a tsunami supporter i don't count in the ratings i haven't counted since 2014 (laughs) So it doesn't matter if I watch or not. Um, but yeah, I'm just I don't know. I really want to. I want to watch it, and I'm I'm just excited for Toonami to have something that I just I absolutely under no circumstances can't get anywhere else. Like Cosmos, even stuff like Cosmos Samurai got me excited. I was like, oh shit, I'm watching that. I didn't watch anything else on Toonami. I watched Cosmos Samurai. <laughs> Because like everything else on Tsunami, I've either seen already or didn't care for. Yeah, fair enough. And what did you think of Cosmos Samurai? I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was really fun. Um, it's it's a tuna- it's a literal tsunami anime. Like, I yeah, don't know, man. It finally like, happened after all these years. Yeah, I because we were. I remember. I think. I think you might have been there too, Sketch. We talked at Momocon. I think we like jokingly pitched the idea of a 2D Toonami Tom and Sarah anime. 
or or maybe it was at a panel and someone asked about it um and i remember the reply was just like no we don't tom's 3d and he should remain 3d and we just don't see it (laughs) and then it you know changed it was like oh there he is in in you know tokusatsu like armor Mm -hmm. that was awesome i loved it Uh, and again just to the point like it's something i can't get anywhere else and uh i love that about you know and and among the the things i just miss about tsunami and i feel like it's been a while and part of it i i will i will say it's probably the pandemic but i feel like there hasn't been as much spontaneity I feel like Tsunami's been in a holding pattern mm. for like a year. And there's, maybe I'm there, wrong. Maybe there's it's just been me not paying spontaneity, attention. but it's not the most exciting spontaneity. It's like, oh, we're going to throw on uh, Ball Masters because we need something to fill a slot. Yeah. That, Which, that's fun. I, but I, I love seeing Ball Masters on Tsunami. Like, Ball Masters is an amazing show. Uh, well, but hey, man, it was surprising when they got Paranoia Agent, right? But, you know, I have Paranoia Agent on DVD, and I, this is not a joke. We have Paranoia Agent at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, this is not a joke. I had literally, like, when they announced it, I had literally just finished rewatching it. And <laughs> that, the last thing I wanted to do was rewatch it again on at 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever time it was on. And I, I'm so happy it aired, and I, I hope it found a new audience on Toonami. And I, I, I'm sure it did. But for me, myself, personally, like... I'm not gonna watch a, a show I literally just watched. Yeah, at at, at some godforsaken hour in the morning. That's uh, that's one reason why I still haven't watched the second season of Mob Psycho 100. You should just give up already, Sketch. Just watch it. The moment I give up, that's when Tsunami's gonna start airing it. Well, that'll be good for everyone else then. <laughs> you have a point. It's this year. Uh, it's this year. I know it. <laughs> It's hopefully. I don't, keep I don't it's it's been it's been over two years since that show aired in Japan. I think I think we're past the point where they can finally get it. But uh, I digress. Has it been dubbed at all or no? Oh yeah, it was. Okay. It was it was simul dubbed. Oh okay. It's that just might be why. it's it's just been uh, it's because it's a a Crunchyroll Funimation complicated thing. Yeah kind of a holdover from their original deal. So, <laughs> uh, there's one way that it could get less complicated, but maybe we don't want that. It's uh, it's interesting, because um, while I am excited for Blade Runner and Uzumaki, I'm actually most excited for Fena, because it's not based on anything. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just excited for that prospect of a... One, it's a pirate anime, and I happen to like pirate animes. Yeah. And the track record for pirate anime on Toonami hasn't been great, but let's hope. <laughs> let's hope. I, that was my joke. I, I'm sure it's going to be. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's going to be good. I think. Yeah. I think the the issue with uh, One Piece was that again it was competing with itself because you could watch mm-hmm. it elsewhere. This is really something you can't. You cannot watch it anywhere else, at least for probably twelve hours. Yeah, I'm gonna guess definitely. Also, rather ambitious for the promo to be saying season one premieres. I'm like, oh, season one. <laughs> I'm sure it's kind of like an IGPX situation where season two is either already in production or already done, and they're just they have to they're going to air Blade Runner in between or whatever. Oh, I hope so. 
the all we know about there potentially being more Fena is that the director has ideas for multiple seasons. Okay. At least that's that's what Jason said. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. And uh, I'm rooting for the show. I really, I, I'm, I, I feel like I've been down on it. I, I want it to surprise me, and I will absolutely be watching it. So, you know, count me among you. But um, yeah, I, I, and I get the the argument of like, well, it's original IP. It's something brand new. Like, truly not based off anything. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm a basic but, um, bitch, I guess. <laughs> but a Blade Runner anime and an Uzumaki adaptation are like kind of a big deal <laughs> those are ips that that don't get mucked with often like no there's not a lot of fingers in those baskets um for one blade Runner's not a very successful franchise in terms of theatrical at least um so we'll see how it does on television uh mm. i'm excited to see what it'll do and then but you know there's so few entries in it. it's not a marvel thing where you're like oh there'll be three or four of them a year no, it's something really special, and then Uzumaki is just literally the last time we had an adaptation of Uzumaki was back in the year two thousand, like with that live action movie, and this is this is really shaping up to be something one very different from that live action movie, um, and just extremely faithful to the manga and. And to the point where it really is the manga come to life. It's not just, oh, we took the anime and, like, you know, animated it. It's like, no, they brought the comic book to life. And that's that's really something that that's hard to, to really do. So. Yeah, especially with, like, an Ito manga where, like, there have been, like, newer Ito anime. And all of them have been bad. Because yeah. they can't mm-hmm. capture that original feeling that Ito has. But, like, with the little we've seen of Uzumaki, like, it's basically going, like, page by page and adapting everything but they've already said that they're not adapting everything they they did have to with ito's permission change stuff around because it's only four episodes um but i think the thing that makes it special is that you're you're looking at it it's very clear that they care and with adult it seems like adult swim is heavily invested in this to the point where they're willing to delay it and give it what looks to be feature animation quality that is very difficult to do you know fena looks gorgeous but it it, it looks like a tv anime and i'm not saying Mm -hmm. that in a bad way it looks like a very good tv anime uzumaki looks like feature it looks like that should be on a movie theater screen from from that clip who knows maybe the rest of it looks like shit i doubt it because it's uzumaki (laughs) And I know how important this one is for for everybody, but, you know, like, this is, you know, Uzumaki is something, I just, I got a feeling, something special, something special about that one. Yeah, I mean, I think the film comparison feels pretty accurate, because, like, this is going to be a very weird, like, uh, comparison here, but the newest trailer that came out, it kind of gave me, like, Loving Vincent vibes, like that, uh, yeah, film that was, like, all retained. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Loving Vincent was a very painstakingly animated movie. And, like, it took a very long time to do. And this, obviously, it's taken a very long time for Uzumaki to come out. And it's, you're right. It kind of is, it seems like that same level of dedication and love is going into 
Uzumaki, even though it's not a movie. It's it's a four episode series. But the way you keep talking episode. about it being a being like a movie is like you know actually, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's four episodes. That's kind of a movie. Let's maybe, just glue maybe. them together and make a movie. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure somebody could do it and just like edit it all together. Um, I I kind of wonder if they're. This, this is me speculating. I don't think it's been said, but I kind of wonder if each episode it's a four episode miniseries. I kind of wonder if they're going to be an hour long each. Well, that would be particularly special, and also be a a good reason why they've had to delay it for so long. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I just. I. I look at it and I just feel like you know. Can you do it uh, in twenty two minutes? <laughs> yeah, that and I feel like it's. It's such an ambitious project that I. I just feel like you could do. I feel like Adult Swim could justify the cost of, instead of, four four half hour episodes, basically eight half hour episodes, instead of four. And it would be an interesting just, experiment for them. Yeah, I think it'd be cool to play with the hour long format. It, you know, it, it gives it that, for lack of a better term, that prestige drama feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if they don't do it, I still think it's going to be special. I don't Yeah. Really I mean, I think considering that they aren't going to be adapting like every single thing, it probably would just be single length episodes. Because, like, yeah. Uzumaki's not that long. Like, it's only like three volumes. Hmm. Three thick volumes. Thick boys. Oh, yeah. True. They are pretty thick. <laughs> um, but, yeah. All right. I uh, I guess I said my piece. I, I still feel like... I, I feel bad for Fena. I don't know why. I just feel like I shit all over it. I'm not shitting all over Fena. I really want to watch it. It's oh. just the one I'm least excited for. Actually, the one I'm least excited for is Shenmue. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, same? <laughs> that is actually the one I'm least excited for. I'm not... Sorry, everybody. I'm not a Shenmue fan. I, I didn't play the games. Um, I'm going to check out the series for sure. Uh, but I, I wasn't a fan of the games growing up. Uh, I never played them. So I got no attachment yeah, to that me idea. either. The real question is, will the anime be unfinished like the games? Oof. <laughs> uh, I mean, they said they are only doing se- the, the first two games. That's it. Um, mm. So we'll see about the rest of it. I, I I can't imagine. I think they'll probably do the third one, and then that's it, because <laughs> I seriously doubt that Yuji Naka, uh, or it's not Yuji Naka. No, it's other guy. The other guy at Sega would would let them uh, do it. Oh I yeah, Yu Suzuki. Like, Yu Suzuki, thank you. Excuse me. Um, he probably would not allow them to go beyond Shenmue Three because he wants. I mean, he wants to do it. He's still determined to do it, last I checked. Mm-hmm. Even though those games don't seem to sell well. Nope. <laughs> no. Yeah, and uh, 3 was pretty bad. I, I've seen the reviews. I, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I feel like uh, Adult Swim is kind of building a niche of like older properties that 
haven't really been super successful <laughs> that they're trotting out and trying to do something new with. I was about to be like, Blade, but Blade Runner, and then I'm like, oh wait, I just ranted for like 30 <laughs> minutes that Blade Runner bombed at the look, box look, office, look, never mind. Blade, Blade, Runner's, <laughs> Blade Runner's definitely more successful than Shenmue at this point. <laughs> oh no, it, it, like look, I, I, Blade Runner bombed at the box office, but like even the sequel, uh, they've all been doing very well in home video and streaming. Yeah. Like very well. So... Again, I'm 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 excited to see what it'll do on TV. I think TV will just be a, a better place for it in general. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm also excited to see what uh, what kind of audience Fen is going to bring. Hopefully, uh, a new, fresh audience. I think it'll be a, a fresh new audience too. I think it'll be. I mean, I think it'll be probably. This is me generalizing a bit, but. I could absolutely see a, a bigger female audience coming to Toonami from Fena. I, I think. feel like they're kind of building towards that. I mean, they picked up Yashihime, and they got Fena, and Blade Runner has a female protagonist. I, I, I think that's what they're going for. Yeah, and that's absolutely not a bad thing. I think Fena more so than Blade Runner, because Blade Runner has nerd cred, you know? Oh, yeah, Blade Runner. Like, is. nerd boy cred. Um, but Fena... Like I feel like I could show that character design to my partner and she and, and like tell her what the show's about and she'd be like super excited. She'd be like, "Yeah, this is my shit right here." Um, so you know, I think uh, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna bring a different audience to Tsunami, and I'm that's probably the most exciting thing about it. Yeah, I'm, I I hope the gamble pays off because I like to see them you know do other things than the oh. same old same old. More originals. Want more originals? Bring them to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah apparently, the, there are at least two other ones that we don't know about. Yeah. You know, any hazard a guess of of what kinds of things they might also be making? Hazard a guess. Um, the Space Jam anime. <laughs> <laughs> I no, uh, I literally just watched uh, Mother's Basement's video about Space Jam being an isekai. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I have not seen that. I just I was thinking of like, oh yeah, hey, I watched Space Jam the other day. I did. Right. I uh, oh thought the, it was fine. The original or the new one? The the new one. The new one. Yeah, I I watched. Uh, me and the boys, we got together. We watched Space Jam: A New Legacy and had a grand time. Yeah. Is it a good movie? Debatable. Is it entertaining? I sure thought so. It's better than I thought it was going to be. I'll give it that. I really thought it was going to be terrible. Uh, but no, it's fun. I, I, I had a good time. And um, of all the things I keep quoting from that stupid movie, but putting in that work. <laughs> putting that work. Got to put in that work. Your fundamentals. Putting that work. I'm trying to look around the room, see what what other franchises I can think of. Um, just, just appliable. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say IGPX, but we kind of did that already. Uh, is that is that sequel to Outlaw Star coming? Uh, it's well, sad. Did they it's adapt the entire manga they, of Outlaw Star or no? I don't think so, but I, I honestly have no idea. I mean, Outlaw Star what, is like an unfinished manga, though. So like, oh, it is. Yeah, I think the anime actually like finished like more of the story. 
oh, than wow. what was even in the manga. Okay, never mind. I recall uh, uh, them actually talking about that they did attempt to do more Outlaw Star, but something just didn't happen. Even though the creator and them wanted to make it happen, it just it just never happened, and it's probably never going to happen, which is unfortunate because there's potential there. Even though I, um, I I have in more recent years kind of decided that I don't like Outlaw Star as much as I thought I did. Outlaw Star holds up better than I thought it did. Uh, I I've been rewatching it and it's really good. Um, but I I think the problem forever is that it will live in Cowboy Bebop Shadow, which this, is a shame. This is true. Uh, speaking of things that live in Cowboy Bebop Shadow and will probably not happen because it didn't do well enough in Japan, I want Trigun Maximum. Come on, Adult Swim, throw some money at that. That oh, would be I'd cool. Kill for that. I would. They should reboot Trigun. Trigun. Period. Like, yeah. Start it over. Trigun. Uh, because <laughs> if you want to talk about a show that is in Cowboy Bebop Shadow that doesn't hold up, it's Trigun. I have watched it recently. It does not hold up. There are a lot. There are things about it that do. There's a lot of it that doesn't. Mm. It needs a needs a new adaptation. It desperately needs one. Them's them's fighting words. I honestly I know don't know how words. I feel about Trigon at this point, but I, I definitely see the potential there. Of course, they it still has haven't not played aged as gracefully. It hey. just hasn't. They still haven't played Blood Blockade Battlefront on Toonami, and it makes me sad. Uh, you know what would be really cool if the if they were able to acquire like full rights, kind of like Netflix, um, to that Akira anime that's coming out. I was mm. thinking of that right now too. Yeah, that that's would be so really cool. cool. That's already been announced. I'm I'm assuming that um, you know someone probably already has it. I hope it's Adult Swim, but mm. probably not. Uh, I, yeah, that would be awesome to have. It's so cool. If I was trying to pick something to co-produce or throw money at, I, I feel like that Bleach continuation is a no-brainer. <laughs> Bleach oh, did yeah. so well on Adult Swim. It would be a darn shame if it ended up in Netflix jail. I have oh, a feeling it suck. probably will, though. Yeah, it probably will. But hey, they they got a lot of the the uh, four kids cast back for Shaman King, so that's something. Yeah, I guess I have a choice. Not necessarily, about that. not necessarily something I wanted, but uh, yeah. you know what? You know what? Adult Swim should probably give another try. It would be censored on TV, but they should totally do it. Uh, they should give Berserk another try. Oh. Like, now's the time, right? Like, don't adapt the Egg of the King arc again. Just please don't do that. Do other parts of the manga. <laughs> uh, yeah, please. <laughs> we've, we've, we've done that enough times. Yeah, we're, we're good. We really don't need another adaptation of that. No. Not for, not for a while. Uh, but I would I would totally kill to see a, a, a new Berserk adaptation. Um, even re- redo the old one, the the 2016 one. Like, do that entire story over again. 
I don't think I any. I don't think anybody would have complaints about them doing that. <laughs> yeah, redo it. Redo it. Just total, total redo. That would be so nice. If only. Oh, Berserk feels so cursed. <laughs> yeah, that's why you read the manga on that one. Read the manga. Yeah. yeah. Uh, trying to think of anything else. I don't know. Like. Obviously, I would want some uh, more original IP. Definitely, they should, Absolutely. they should take more chances on that. But we're not going to come up with original IP. So, no. Nope. Uh, another uh, another franchise. Uh, uh, There's an anime adaptation of uh, Naoki Arasawa's Pluto that's been in like production forever. Maybe, yeah. Why not? Hmm. I feel like they probably get their hands on more Junji Ito stuff. That would if, probably if be Uzumaki, a good idea because there's a lot of like does well. interesting Junji Ito stories that have never been adapted at all. That I think would work really well as like either like a very short term series or like even like I don't know like 13 episodes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we want to pillage uh, Adult Swim's IPs, uh, maybe a Samurai Jack original anime, like maybe a side story that Ooh. takes place between. The um the time of season four and season five is it? Yeah, you know oh, there's, little, there's plenty of ground to cover. Yeah, a little mini little mini side story uh, animated by like you know, uh, production IG or Madhouse or pick your studio. Um, that would just take us you know a, a four episode event of like here's what Samurai Jack was doing while he was. Wandering the wilderness of hiatus. God. Now I'm just imagining like a Takashi Koike directed Samurai Jack anime. That would be cool, yeah. Uh, I would I would totally watch that. It's a good way to extend the brand. I mean, they it it seems like they want to keep making use of Samurai Jack, but they're you know they've kind of run out of road, as it were. Keep releasing all that merch. Well, mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad it's over. I'm glad it has a definitive ending. But now that we know what the ending is, and that there is this large gap of time, there's you know, plenty of there's stories. Plenty to of get room. Through. Yeah, there's plenty of room to play in there. Yeah. Um, other other IPs. I think we'll come up with one more and maybe call it because I'm noticing what time it is. Yeah. Uh, looking around my room right now. Oh, I was going to say Pacific Rim, but that's already at Netflix. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk about a franchise that is not successful at theaters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did not care for that second movie. Oh, that second movie made me sad. Yeah, didn't like that one either. I It was the first time where I was like, oh, good job, Warner Brothers. Whew. Good job selling that one off. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Bullet dodged. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, instead, we get uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, which is... It was what it was. <laughs> Serviceable. A movie. It's pretty wild. It was pretty wild. I'll, I'll say that. Didn't care for the humans, but... 
the when do you ever yeah right? yeah well there are some godzilla movies where the humans are actually interesting but and godzilla series where the humans are interesting <laughs> yeah but only like yeah. american godzilla versions like the humans are always terrible yeah yeah true true uh you know what would be cool a new appleseed series we haven't had one of those in a while oh that that would be interesting yeah. That would be interesting. Totally different topic, but uh, <laughs> how about Amazon getting that last Evangelion movie? <laughs> Ooh, I don't want to talk about Evangelion. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go into a rant. <laughs> Just I, the um, yeah, my, like that is weird uh, <laughs> that he that they got it. Um, it's also I I really hope that they stick with the uh the rebuild dubcast but i'm feeling they won't <laughs> probably not my my joke is that uh evangelion is like the infinity stones nobody can hold all of it at one time <laughs> yeah i also just like i really didn't like that netflix dub the 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 people behind it are like super talented i know that they can do good work but man were they hamstrung by a certain script uh, yes, that script that's existed for far too long. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the same script, but that children beat, like, yeah, that's definitely from the original script. Um, and that is something that Gynex tried to have their way. Why and do that? It's so, uh, it's just, sorry. I For those of you that don't know, I've also produced my own dubs uh, for a couple of Lupin series. So I, I'm kind of familiar with the process. And... The, the one and don't forget was, Bananya. And but oh yeah, well I uh, directed Bananya. Well, not the entire thing, but the incidental voices. And I'm also in it uh, at least twice. Um, but yeah, I just I I have a lot of strong opinions about dubbing and peri- period how how productions should go. Um, they don't always go the way you want them to. Uh, I'll admit that. But you know the what what happened to Evangelion was really kind of bizarre. And oh well, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see what we get when we get it. But uh, it, it's nice that we're finally getting that last movie. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it subtitled. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think actually, probably... <laughs> actually, the subtitle script didn't escape controversy either, did it? No, no, nope, no, no. <laughs> Screwed no matter what. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, if you want to talk about a cursed franchise. Oh, yes. But it's a different kind of curse. A different kind of curse. <laughs> but a curse nonetheless. All right. Well, we don't want to take any more of your time. And uh, we've we've definitely talked about what we came here to talk about. So We've uh, definitely talked for an hour. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So thanks, Jose. Uh, we appreciate you coming on to talk about Blade Runner and other things. It's it's great to have you on again. Thank you so much for having me on. I I, I really wanted to talk about Blade Runner. I love Blade Runner. I hope that my my love for it is infectious to the listeners of this podcast. Um, and I hope you know if if nothing else, go watch the original film. It's a huge deal. If you like anime, like Ghost in the Shell. Um, or other sci-fi, like Psychopaths probably, like, trust me, it's a big deal. 
Um, it might not seem original if you've been exposed to that stuff, like The Matrix and Ghost and Shell, but you'll get it. You'll understand where all this comes from. It's it's a big deal. Um, and I, I hope you check out the movies. I hope you watch the series. I hope it's I hope it's as excellent as that trailer is. Um, you know, and I hope Toonami is successful with all their originals because I want nothing more but more Toonami originals. I think they mm-hmm. should absolutely do them. Um, all right, and that's it. Great. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah. Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, at Arguing Meadows, A-R-G-U-I-N-G-M-E-A-D-O-W-S, Arguing Meadows, on Twitter. That's such a great handle. Thank you. <laughs> people don't get it. People don't get it? I, I've had a lot of people who, I, I've had to explain it to them. Um. Uh, because it's it's basically the way I teach people how to pronounce my last name. You think of a meadow, arguing with another meadow, arguing meadows, argue meadow. That's how you pronounce my last name. <laughs> so perfect. I love that visual. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's dumb, but it works. My grass is greener. Baby. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah. Hopefully it won't be so long until the next one, uh, but we'll we'll see. Oh, we'd love to have you on to you know talk about the show when it's airing. Yeah, I I would love to. Um, but I you know like Jason, I'm actually very busy these days. There's actually stuff I want to promote, and I can't do it because it's still under NDA. Mm. Uh, that's uh, that's, uh, that's the I, way it goes. Yeah, uh, I guess stuff I can't promote. Watch CNN. That's where I work. That's it. That's all I can promote. Watch Blade Runner. Watch Blade Runner. Watch Fena. There, I'll promote that. There you go. Well, thanks again, Jose. You don't be a stranger. Well, I'll try not to be. See you later.